Good day and welcome to the Waystations Ministries podcast. I'm Greg Spencer with a light for your journey and a good word for the road. It's great to be traveling together and I thank you for coming with me. Let's ride together for a while. Hey friends, it's great to be with you again. This is Greg Spencer from Waystations and I am just uh, delighted that it's summer and that we get a chance to connect together. But what we're dealing with is problems. In case you didn't know, what Waystations is about is helping us along the way, helping us along our journey of life, if you will. And we have to stop every once in a while and we have to take a look at who we are and what we're doing and how we're doing it and is it working. Um, this is the key about my ministry. It's about helping people to live effectively. It's not about religion and the practice of religion. It's about incorporating values and faith that help us and sustain us and guide us through some of the cruddiest stuff we have to deal with. Man, life isn't as much as uh, fun as we would like. It's not as cheerful as we would like. It's not as peaceful as we would like. We get an awful lot of twists and turns in the road. And if we can learn how to navigate those, I think we're a lot better off. And I believe, I truly believe that all of us can be more content uh, in our living, that we can have a sense of peace about who we are, a sense of meaning about who we are, and to enjoy life in spite of the difficulties and the twists and turns that we have to navigate. So I want to talk about that this week and next. There's a couple uh, favorite theories that I have for ministry, and I want you to know that this is not about professional ministry, although anybody who uh, has a faith becomes an example to others. So my thought is that everybody has a ministry of some sort, and what I want to do is help you along the way with that. So let's get into this one. Um, what I've noticed is that uh, there are times in our lives where we are unjustly attacked or abused or criticized, that there's a lot of folks out there who want to boost themselves by taking advantage of others. And they're sometimes mean, sometimes cruel, sometimes unreasonable. Sometimes their triggers are very short and they respond to persons for the slightest thing with anger and upset. Um, I just heard about uh, in the news the other day that there was a guy who didn't like the idea that the store required masks. And so he walked out without buying anything, came back a few minutes later and shot the clerk. Now that has got some serious problems to it. And I don't like the way people are diving into their passions so quickly and so cruelly. And I don't think that's good for any of us. And I think we need to try to respond to that. Do you know what it's like to be helpless when someone's critical of you and, and laying stuff on you that isn't your fault at all and it isn't your responsibility? Do you know what it's like when you come up against somebody and you know that you cannot win the argument? Even if you have the best reason, the best logic in mind, it doesn't seem to make any difference because the person who's critical, the person who's crit uh, attacking you, is a person who really doesn't want there to be resolution. They want to cause harm. And then we're stuck. What do we do? Do we sit there and take it? An awful lot of times I've seen people do exactly like that. It's like a deer in the headlights. Once someone starts unloading on them, they just stand there. And they take it full on the face, and it's just terrible. And then they feel awful about it. The person who unloads takes off and probably forgot about the person before they hit the elevator. But the person who got hammered is the one who remembers it and grieves it and wonders if there's something they could have done about it, if there's some way they could have avoided it. 
It's an awful thing. And um, I don't think you have to bear that burden. If you've been on the downside of those kinds of critical attacks, I don't think you have to uh, be abused. I don't think we have to live as abused persons. Sometimes we get passionate and we argue our position, even though we know it's not going to get us anywhere. And so that creates harm both to ourselves and to others. Sometimes we carry guilt or grief or shame or pain long after the parting with that other person. And it can be days, it can be weeks, it can be a memory that's always in the back of our minds, and we always feel terrible about it. But that's not right. It's what happens all the time, but it's not right, and it's not good. So I'd like to suggest a couple of things. How many of us suffer for a long time with bitter memories, with guilt feelings, and we feel helpless to do anything about it? So we try to rethink it, we try to make sense of it, we try to rationalize it, we spend an awful lot of time thinking about it, but we don't get anywhere. It doesn't give us any new path to follow. A lot of those things are so old that they, we can't redress them. We can't, maybe if we've forgotten those people or drifted so far away, there's nothing we can do to heal that, but we can still burden ourselves with it. Kind people, serving people, faithful people, disciples, and so many who try to do good very often experience the hurt and carry the burdens. And we see people trying to take advantage uh, because they're kind, because they're sweet. I saw that in a restaurant not too long ago where a person was trying to take advantage of a two-for-one and you're supposed to buy the one and then you get one for a second visit and they were trying to apply at that time. They made a big scene. They got everybody in the restaurant upset. The manager had to come out and they just tried to appease the person because one burger wasn't worth a 100. And the people who see those kinds of experiences may not return. Does that seem right to you? Does it seem right that we would harm ourselves or our spirits on behalf of those who couldn't care less, of those who have forgotten about us as soon as the conversation ends, those who only wanted to cause harm and find a victory when they do cause that harm? We may feel justified in doing it, but what do we get out of it? More hurt, more helplessness. In my opinion, this cannot be what God intends for us, and it really isn't what we want in our lives. John 10.10 says that Jesus said these words, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Well, we've got it abundant, that's for sure. We've got lots going on in our minds, lots going on in our schedules. But what is the kind of abundance he's talking about? Is it overflowing with guilt and discomfort and hurt? I don't think so. I think what Christ is talking about is a way of living with peace and joy and harmony. Now, harmony is an interesting word. In the musical world, harmony is about different instruments and different voices singing different notes, and yet it's sounding beautiful at the same time. They don't all have to sing exactly the same note. They don't all have to play exactly the same thing. In fact, it's pretty boring when they do. So, harmony means learning how to get along together and learning how to manage it. Realizing the situation and how it hurts people, a long time ago I came up with a metaphor about faithfulness and ministry to answer this problem, and I hope that it may help people to rise up and overcome themselves, overcome the conflicts and struggles that they have. And I think it's kind of cute. I think it's kind of neat. It's certainly memorable, and so I hope that you enjoy it. And that is the Spencer Matador Theory of Ministry. <laughs> Do you know what a matador is? 
A long time ago, there used to be on the wide world of sports, there would be indications sometimes about uh, bullfights. They didn't do too much about it because it's a very bloody thing. Um, But the story of a bullfight is about a person called the matador. He's usually the last to be in the arena to face the bull alone. Uh, There's a whole lot of other things that lead up to it. But the point I want to make is the matador is dressed in really bright colors and clothes and very skin-tight things and wears a hat, and he carries this great big red cape. And he enters the ring alone and unarmed, essentially, uh, against how many thousand pounds do bulls weigh? The bulls have been angered and upset um, by all the things that have happened before the matador gets to face it. So it's just full of rage. And uh, the idea is that the bull is going to run directly towards the matador and try to kill him, gore him with his horns. And the matador standing there waits. He watches and sees the bull coming. Now, at the last possible moment, the matador spins out of the way. And he does that because he doesn't want to get gored by the bull. He, the idea is to not be there when the bull arrives. <laughs> and so if he moves too early, the bull is going to just shift his direction. If he moves too late, it's all over. So he has to wait and he has to time it. He has to be very precise. And as soon as the bull is there, he spins out of the way. He uses the cape as a, or the, uh, the uh, red I guess it is a cape, Uh, but he uses the cape as a means of attracting and inflaming the agitation of the bull, and the bull comes running right towards him and towards that cape. And when he spins out of the way, uh, the bull passes by, but it doesn't stop. It immediately turns around and tries to come back, and the battle between the man and the bull continues uh, and continues and continues. Now, a matador who uh, isn't very good isn't going to last very long. A matador who stands there and takes it full in the gut is not going to last. The goal is to get out of the way. And this is what the point of the message in the story is. It's always good to let the bull go by. Don't take it full in the gut. Don't take it in your heart. Don't take it into your mind because you know that it's an enraged person who does no interest in us whatsoever. And if we allow that to be the rule for us, we'll kill ourselves on their behalf. No, the the matador gets out of the way. Now, here's the interesting thing. When a matador spins out of the way, usually it's in a big arena filled with people celebrating and enjoying the, the sporting event. And every time the matador spins out of the way, the entire crowd cheers. They yell, ole! And they cheer the fact that he was successful in not taking the gut not taking the horn, not taking, not getting wounded, but actually being able to get out of the way. Now, if you think about it, this is what happens to us an awful lot. When a person is critical to us, criticizing us, yelling at us, unloading on us, what happens is we're very rarely alone, uh, the, the other person and ourselves. Usually there are people in the area. As a person who's trying to represent Christ, I'm always thinking about everybody who's there, not just the one. And so my witness or example is not so much about the person who's not going to listen to anything I have to say, but the other people who have been criticized, they've been attacked, they've been undermined, they know what it's like to get hurt, and they're watching to see how does a Christian respond to that? What does the Christian do? Do they just stand there and take it? That doesn't seem to be a very good thing. And a lot of people might wonder about the Christian faith because of it. 
Now, I think it takes a lot of courage to stand there until the last possible minute, but you do not have to take it. You can let it pass by. And that's the secret of the matador theory of ministry. If I can offer the target, then other people will not be victimized or subject to it. If I can spin out of the way, then it doesn't bother me, and all the bull does is exhaust himself. And eventually, he loses. And I've seen this happen. I've had people that have attacked and criticized and blown up and gotten angry and exploded all over themselves and tried to do so on me, trying to get a rise, trying to get a response. When I choose not to respond the way they want me to, eventually they get tired. They get frustrated. They get angry. But they go away. Why do they go away? Because they're not getting what they want. And this is the secret. You've got to remember that persons who are complaining at you have something that they want or something that they need. One of the things I try to teach people is when someone complains or criticizes or tries to blame, it tells you more about them than it does about you. It tells you more about what's going on in their minds and their hearts and their lives. And you can learn a lot from that, but you certainly do not have to be victimized by it. And so what you want to do is think of yourself as the matador. And one of the fun ways to do that is inside. You don't have to say this out loud and you don't have to spin in some dramatic fashion, but in your own heart and your own mind, you can see that bull coming. And when the pool gets near, you spin out of the way by keeping your mind clear and not letting it get you. And then as it passes by, you just yell, ole. Now you do that inside your own heart and mind because all you'll do is agitate them further if you say it. But there have been times where I've been able to take that heat, spin out of the way, even though I'm standing there facing the person, I try to stay calm, not give them what they're looking for, and say, ole. It makes me smile. And you can think of the crowd cheering, and you can realize for the one who did not allow themselves to get broken down, not allow themselves to get beat up, well, we all would cheer for that, because we're often in that position. And if we can learn how to do that, there may be a lot of matadors walking around, all yelling ole, all smiling, because they didn't get gored. This is the matador theory of ministry, and it's an idea for you to take with you on your way. When things that are unreasonable happen, when unreasonable people try to get your goat, I don't know what that means exactly, when people try to take advantage of you to put you down, to lift themselves, or just simply cause pain, you do not have to allow them to do it. And this is, I think, the principle that Jesus tries to teach. You need to think a little bit more. You need to be a little bit more patient. You need to consider what are the implications and what are the consequences. If I blow up, what do I get for that? If I keep calm, if I let it pass, what will I get for that? Usually, you can let it go and not let it worry you anymore. And that's something that would lessen the load. Boy, it's nice to take some of those straws off the back, huh? You don't have to think about the next one being the one that breaks the back. But you can say, I can get rid of this one. I can get rid of that one. I can stop letting myself get victimized by those who have no other intent than to harm. No matter what the reason is, no matter what the complaint is. There will be people that will notice that we make mistakes or they'll try to point it out, but they'll be reasonable in their approach and their hope is for the best for not only the, the business or the company, but for you as well as for themselves. They want to make peace and they want to make it better. That's not a criticism. That's not a complaint. That's not a bull with horns coming after you. It's a person who's standing with you, 
saying, let's see if we can find a way to resolve this, to stay well, and to make it even better. Now that makes a much smoother ride and a much better journey along the way. So give it a try. Inside your heart, say ole, and you may find yourself smiling a lot more each day. Thanks a lot for being with us. I hope that uh, you'll be back with us next time on Waystations Ministries, the podcast. I look forward to being with you again. Well, I'd like to thank you for being with us this time and hope that you'll join us again next time, next week, when we get together for a little more time on the road together. May it be good for you all the way through.